Jake, I'm getting worried. My house hunt's taking longer than expected. We've made so many offers and keep losing out. You could really use the JAG Advantage. What's the JAG Advantage? The Jim Allen Group, number one real estate team in the state since 1996 with the largest inventory of home sites in the Triangle, 11,000. And they rep more than 65 communities. The Jim Allen Group? Oh, I get it. The JAG Advantage. Score with the Jim Allen Group at thejagadvantage.com. Equal housing opportunity. This is the Canes Corner Podcast with host Adam Gold, part of the Capital Broadcasting Podcast Network. Now here's the host of the Canes Corner Podcast, Adam Gold. And welcome to the Morning After Podcast. It's the morning after the NHL Draft's first round And the Carolina Hurricanes took Seth Jarvis, a right winger slash center from junior hockey, played in Portland. We'll tell you more about him in a little bit. Uh, First, let me remind you, this is brought to you by the Aluminum Company of North Carolina. If it's for the exterior of your home, you can find it at the Aluminum Company, aluminumcompany.com. Sammy Hanna and his crew do an amazing job. Uh, We are going to talk with Don Waddell, president and general manager of the Carolina Hurricanes, and then we will break it all down with Corey Lavalette of the North State Journal. Uh, And he's sort of, uh, as local guys go, I'll make Corey the expert on prospects and the, uh, the inner mechanisms of, like, the draft and player age rules and all of that. Corey, it's just second nature to him. And it's not second nature to me, but Corey knows what he's talking about, so we'll talk to Corey about Seth Jarvis. A couple of quick things before we bring in Don Waddell. First, uh, Jarvis looks to be a really talented player. Uh, he's about 5'10", maybe uh, maybe a shade under, about 172 pounds. Don't know. I've not weighed him. Uh, but I will tell you what I have read about him, and if what I have read about Seth Jarvis is accurate... Uh, then he is the kind of player that the Carolina Hurricanes need. In my opinion, the Hurricanes don't do enough in the middle of the ice in the offensive zone. And according to the scouting reports of Seth Jarvis, that's where he does his best work. Uh, He is fearless. Uh, It does not matter that he is 5'10", 172. Theoretically, he'll become, I'm not saying taller, but bigger. He is just 18, won't be 19 until February 1st of next year. So uh, there's probably some growth and some strength to build. Uh, But that's where he really operates. He operates in tight spaces, gets to the, air quotes, dirty areas. That's such a hockey term. Uh, But that's where he does his work, and that's really what Carolina needs. Uh, I just direct you to the uh, playoffs where the Hurricanes lost in five games to the Boston Bruins, and in that series, Boston scored around the goal. Carolina scored from outside the circles. Uh, And all the goals count, but if you do your work in the interior of the offensive zone— you generally will be more effective in the postseason because that's where the goals are scored for the most part in the postseason. Uh, So Jarvis does seem like he fits that bill, and that's good, even though he might not be ideal size. At this stage of the game, uh, the NHL is changing. Braden Point's not a big guy. Tyler Johnson's not a big guy. Johnny Gaudreau's not a big guy. Matthew Barzell's not a big guy. Sebastian Ajo's not a big guy. 
Uh, so you can certainly be an effective player at 5'10 or whatever it is. Plus, you got skates on, so you're automatically taller. Uh, the other thing is, I know a lot of people wanted the goaltender. Here's my feeling on this, and we'll talk about this uh, with Corey Lavalette a little bit, and we'll probably ask Don Waddell some version of this. My read on uh, Yaroslav Askarov, uh, who, if you uh, believed what was being said on television, is the next Andre Vasilevsky. And he may be a generational goaltender. I am not doubting that. Uh, and Nashville took him two spots ahead of Carolina at number 11. I thought going in, and my conversations going in, was that the team really liked him. And that they probably would have taken him at number 13. But if you really like him, I think they knew that it was a 50-50 chance at best that he would last until 13. Nashville needed a goaltender of the future. Minnesota needed a goaltender of the future. Heck, Ottawa needs a goaltender of the future. There were a number of teams that drafted ahead of Carolina that could have very easily taken a goaltender. If Carolina really wanted Askarov, they would have traded up. And I think, deep down, I think they're okay that he wasn't available for them because... Drafting goaltenders is risky. It's not only risky because the position is difficult to project, no matter what you are supposed to be uh, going into the draft. And again, I am not doubting that uh, Eskarov won't be good. All I'm saying is there's a risk involved with drafting a goaltender high. The other element here is that he's already playing in the KHL. It's the second best league in the world, and... Russian players who are already getting paid at that level, it's harder to bring them over. So the, the Hurricanes are probably three years from seeing this guy in North America, and then hopefully he develops quickly. So while it would have certainly been great to have a generational goaltender, a top-tier uh, goaltender in the league whenever he shows up, I can understand the trepidation in not drafting him. Uh, with that said... Certainly looks like an outstanding uh, consolation prize in Seth Jarvis. Uh, So Nashville gets their goaltender of the future. We'll see how long that future is. The Hurricanes get a guy who I think at least a year away. uh, And in fact, if he doesn't make the NHL team this year, he has to go back to junior because he is uh, still 18 years old. But we'll talk about that with Don Waddell and then a little bit later on, with Corey Lavalette. Uh, so uh, I'm Adam Gold. This is the Canes Corner Podcast, morning after the draft edition. So why don't we start the proceedings? We'll talk to Don Waddell, the president and general manager of the Carolina Hurricanes. And a little bit later on, uh, we'll be joined by Corey Lavalette of the North State Journal. Don Waddell, president, general manager of the Carolina Hurricanes. All right, we're going to get to the whatever didn't happen in a second, but tell me about Seth Jarvis. I know everything I've read about him uh, says even for his size, he lives in the middle of the ice. What did you like about him? Yeah, we've watched enough video on him. Our scouts obviously had him ranked very high, and you know his his hockey sense and vision is outstanding. You don't put up those kind of points in the Western League at that age unless you have some special skills. You know, we know he's a great skater. Puck skills are good, but most importantly, he's got the vision and hockey sense that translates, uh, you know, to the next level when whenever that time comes. So, we had a lot of things that we really liked about him. That's why we selected him. 
Dom Waddell is joining us here. Seth Jarvis was the pick from Portland. He's 18 years old. He will not be 19 until February. And people will look at the numbers. I need you to put that in perspective. 98 points in 58 games, including a stretch where he had 47 points in 17 games. I mean, I look at that and like those, those are like fantasy numbers. What does that mean? Yeah, no, and that, you know that's a league that uh, you don't see those kind of point numbers from uh, eighteen. You know, he started a year off at seventeen, uh, seventeen turn eighteen during the season, so you just don't see those kind of numbers from uh, from players very often. And you know, it just shows you that I think he had forty two goals. You know, tells you what kind of dynamic player he is you know the size everybody gets caught up in the size but the way the game's going today skill and uh speed will uh, will overcome size at any point and this this guy is not a guy that's uh uh afraid you know you watch all the video he's willing to make the play take the hit uh extremely gifted offensive player all right, so uh, because he's 18 and he won't be 19 until February, uh, the options are he either makes the team out of training camp, whenever that is, because we don't know, although we do know that Gary Bettman, the commissioner, did target January 1 as a possible start. That's probably aspirational, that word I've heard a lot. Uh, but he either makes the team out of training camp, and Rod Brindamore's already challenged him, uh, or he goes back to juniors, correct? Yeah, those are the two options, you know, and, you know, we're going to see, you know, obviously we'd love to have him in camp here and, you know, get him that experience. And, you know, there's nothing, especially at his age, there's nothing wrong with him to go back and, and play whatever the season might be in junior hockey this year. But, you know, if, if he ever came in here and we felt he was ready to play, you know, you don't want to rush players. You want to make sure players are uh, ready for this uh, opportunity when it's presented to them. So, We'll, we'll leave the door open and uh, see how it goes. But more than likely, uh, you know, working on not only uh, continuing to grow as a, a player, but also, you know, work on strength. Those are all things now, you know, players can uh, can do. You know, you put the draft, it's an exciting day for Seth being drafted 13th overall, but now you put that behind him and now, you know, the work begins. And, uh, you know, getting him in here and getting him with Bill Bernstein and our strength and conditioning coach and telling him, showing him what he needs to do to become the best pro possible. I think it's going to be an important next step. Bill, just put him on the bike with the head coach. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> let him play right. uh, Let him play ultimate Frisbee. You saw those pictures from the bubble. Oh, yeah. Yep, yep. <laughs> no, we'll, we'll, we'll make sure you know with Rod. That's right. There's good, any player comes in here is going to – whenever he leaves here, he's going to be in the best shape he's ever been in his life. Do you project him uh, as a center or a winger? You know, that's a good that's a good question. You know, he can play both. But, uh, you know, young players coming in the league, you know, I use Marty Nekash. You know, Marty, Marty will be a center eventually. But right now, coming in the league, it's a lot of responsibility. So we've kept him on the wing. You know, we'll, we'll see where we are at that point. But, you know – being a being a player that can play both positions and has played both positions is a great advantage to have. And you know, I, I think eventually he become that center, if not right away. You know, in time, that'll all uh, work itself out. Two more very quick things for Don Waddell, President and General Manager of the Carolina Hurricanes, and it's worth pointing out that day two of the draft and the other six rounds uh, start uh, start today. So 
real, real quick uh, about uh, the goaltender that you didn't take. Is this as much about how good a player Seth Jarvis is or the fact that uh, a forward, a skater, you can probably project to be in the NHL in a year or two years as opposed to the goaltender who's already going to play in the KHL might be three or four years away? Yeah, no, there, there's no, no doubt about it. You know, the goaltender did go in front of us uh, a couple spots, which right. was fine. Um, you know, but, you know, go- goaltenders mature at a later date. There's just no doubt about it. It's proven over the years. Goaltenders, it takes more time. And, you know, for us right now, we really feel that offense and goal scoring is at a premium. You know, you got to score goals to win hockey games. I know you got to stop pucks, but... You know, we felt better. Uh, we came into the day thinking that we really were looking at for offensive player, and we feel like we got one of the best ones in junior hockey. All right, and uh, and finally, uh, if you had to evaluate your team right now, and I know you guys do it on a daily basis, uh, what is the priority for you as you head not only into the next day of this draft, but also free agency at the end of the week? Well, with the draft, you know, you keep one to stockpile assets you know players because you can use those assets either to build your hockey team or to make trades to help your hockey team currently um so that's number one you know free agency is going to be interesting this year you know we don't have a lot of cap space you know we're pretty much uh, a few million dollars away from the cap right. so you know we got to be careful and we got to be uh pretty picky of what we do but you know we, we always right now we feel like we're in good shape with our offense and that if we can look at some forwards and potentially add somebody that would can fit into our top nine at our price point, we may look at that. But we also, you know, are not going to do something that's uh, just, a, we don't need to just sign a player. We are going to sign a player if it makes sense to us. What, what might be even more uh, after free agency starts and that is, you know, I, I think there'll be more trades in the National Hockey League uh, post uh, draft and post free agency than years past. Right now, uh, there hasn't been a lot of movement of players because of the cap and because of, uh, you know, why do you want to trade for a player if you might be able to get the same player in free agency where you don't have to give up assets. But as we know, it's not a deep free agent class, so I expect more trades to happen after free agency starts and some of the bigger players are gone. Don Waddell, President and General Manager of the Carolina Hurricanes. Good to talk to you. We'll talk soon. Great. Thanks, Adam. All right, let me get a quick break in here. I thank Don Waddell, President and General Manager of the Carolina Hurricanes, for stopping by. Uh, it's a busy night, uh, but uh, when we come back, Corey Lavalette, North State Journal, on Seth Jarvis, why they didn't draft the goalie, and the team in general. All of that, plus rambling, I'm sure. Bring in my friend Corey Lavalette, North State Journal. He's covered the Canes and knows more about all of this stuff that I can't even grasp than anybody I know. I don't understand uh, the... Uh, the expansion draft. I don't understand the rules for who could do what, how, at what age. Corey does, so let's talk about it. He also follows uh, prospects more than I do. Uh, so you should do my job, Corey. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay, you don't want to either. All right, let's let's get to Seth Jarvis, and then we'll talk about the goaltender that the, that was. I know uh, when I spoke to Don Waddell, uh, he did sort of point out, well, Nashville took him before we could uh but i want to get to that whole situation in a second let's talk about seth jarvis uh is probably going to at least start as a winger that's where he played last year for the portland winter hawks 
the numbers are cartoon like 98 points in 58 games. I know you see these kind of numbers sometimes in junior hockey, uh, but put it in perspective. Well, I mean, I think the big thing to look at whenever you talk about these numbers is you see it a lot. Um, you know, the year after a guy is drafted or two years after he's drafted and everyone starts to salivate. It's when these guys are 18 and they're putting up numbers like that or 17 that, uh, that you start to say, wow, this, you know, this kid obviously has potential. And I think that's, that's what you have here is a guy that knows how to put points on the board. I mean, um, you know, everything is, everything's different at the NHL level. And obviously there's concern about size, uh, with him being, you know, maybe a shade under five ten. But uh, it's a new NHL. I mean, we saw that right. with, the, with the Stanley Cup final. I mean, Tyler Johnson has, uh, has probably has his own highlight reel somewhere in PNC <laughs> Arena. Yes. And uh, and Braden Point, who a lot of people are compare Jarvis to, and I mean, I think these comparisons get kind of out of hand a little yes. bit. But um, but um, you know, is not a big guy, and you know, so much about being a small player in this age is using your speed to not get beat up, you know, not get, you don't go into the corner with, with Shea Weber, you know, don't go into the corner with, with Joel Edmondson. I'll just name every apparently Montreal Canadiens defenseman. Um, so, uh, yeah, I mean, I think, uh, lots of skill, uh, work ethic. I, on the call, uh, that we did with him after he was picked, he, uh, someone asked him what he, what he did today. And he was like, well, I had to do some interviews and then I kind of had to clear my head. So I went to the gym and I was like, well, that's a perfect, if there's ever, if there's ever been a good omen, uh, there's that for, for Rob Brindamore and, uh, and the team. So, uh, uh, so yeah, I think, uh, interesting. We'll see what happens, you know, middle of the round, you're, you're not guaranteed anything here. You're never guaranteed anything, but, um, you know, they fared pretty well at, uh, at 13. I think they got a guy that, that falls in f- fell into that range for me. I, don't, I didn't have any problem with him. Unlike Columbus just took a guy that even the Canadian TV people were like, who the hell's that? <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> so it's not like they took the next Philly parody or anything. Right. Um, you know, we'll see, uh, you know, we'll see what happens, but, um, lots of skill and they're, you know, to be honest with where this franchise is, they're lucky to be picking at 13. They're, they weren't supposed to be picking that high. They, right. Uh, worked out well with the Patrick Marlowe trade better than they could have expected. And um, here we are. Yeah, it really it really ended up being the uh, the best case scenario in terms of that, because uh, not to go off on a tangent about that, but I hated that uh, that move for a number of reasons. One, it was never supposed to be a good pick. It was supposed to be in the 20s. Uh, because in a normal season, Toronto makes the playoffs as one of the top three teams in the Atlantic, even if everybody else comes from the Metro. Uh, so that pick was going to be in the 20s, and I just didn't see the point in helping out a team that you were potentially competing with for a playoff spot just to give them cap relief. Uh, but that's what the Hurricanes did, and it also gave them the freedom, I guess, uh, to trade a first-round pick for Brady Shea, uh, which turned into the Rangers uh, pick at number 22, which, by the way, thank you for correcting me uh, last night because uh, without you as my, uh, as my de facto editor, I would have, complete, I would have screwed that up for, uh, for longer than the eight minutes uh, that it was online. And thank you very much for clicking on that ridiculous no- nothing story I wrote uh, about the... I always, uh, like to hear, I always like to hear what you have to say, Adam. Yeah, I didn't really have to say. I didn't have much to say. Uh, I, I, I rambled about the team more than I rambled about the draft. 
draft because just like I don't follow recruiting in uh, college sports, yeah, I just yeah. I don't have the brain, I don't have the head because everybody looks great. I mean, every, at at, the, at at that level, I mean, not everybody, but uh, everybody everybody's a star. Mitch Marner was drafted seven times tonight. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Like like I said, the uh, the comparisons <laughs> the comparisons are always uh, are always pretty funny. Here's what I don't uh, what I'm I'm interested in your take on again, uh, Corey Lavalette, North State Journal. Uh, who knows more about this than I do? Uh, the a lot of what I've read about Seth Jarvis uh, talks about where he does his best work, which is in the interior of the offensive zone. Uh, and this is one of the things I did write about. Maybe the only thing that was worth taking out of that uh, of that piece is that the separation between Boston and Carolina might have narrowed, but to me it only narrowed slightly because in that series. Boston did almost all of their work between the face-off circles, and Carolina did almost all of their work outside of them. But this is a player who appears to be very comfortable in spite of his size, operating, operating in the interior of the offensive zone. Is something like that translatable uh, even as you go up a level like this? I mean, I think it goes back to what I said earlier, which is as long as you're not scared to get hit and you're elusive in getting hit, um, you know, he's not the type of guy who I think is going to stand in the slot and let defensemen cross check him. But if you're happy cruising through the slot and redirecting shots and getting rebounds and making your, you know, making yourself available for passes and things like that, then, um, you know, that doesn't change at any level, really, as long as you're, you know, so much of it is, is, you know, it's like the good wide receiver who can find the soft spot uh-huh. in the zone. You know, it's, it's so much about that. That's what made Brett Hull who Brett Hull was for all those years. You know, he, he the knack to just find those little soft spots. And that's what guys who get into the interior do. Um, you know, I think about guys like Scott Walker, who didn't have the kind of hands that Seth Jarvis is supposed to have, but right. he was a guy who who made his living winning battles and, um, you know, g- getting into kind of nasty areas and, and, you know, not, not really make his living scoring goals, but he, he scored his fair share of goals, certainly right. scored a big one for Carolina. Um, and it's, you know, I think this kid has the potential to be a little, a little like that with his competitiveness. Uh, you know, apparently, a everything I've seen, a really good back checker and, yep. uh, you know, everyone talks about his ability to, you know, sneak up on guys from behind, which is probably where the Mitch Marner stuff comes from. Cause Marner's pretty good at that. And Datsuk's another guy who was always really good at that. Uh, but again, you're getting into comparisons about guys who are, <laughs> you know, hall of hall of famers or, you know, $9 million players or whatever. Right. And, um, you know, we're, we're at the very beginning here, but, um, the, the, nothing to be disappointed in with this pick. I think you get, you know, a need. I know, I, like I said, I don't know that he's a center, uh, at the NHL just because of his size. I mean, you can be a center at, at five, nine and a half, five, ten, but, right. um, but it, you know, they, they need right-handed shots and they got, they got one here. So. All right. Let's, let's talk quickly about the goaltender. Uh, yeah, Yaroslav Ask, uh, Askarov, and I'm I'm just I'm here for not having to wonder if I'm I su- I'm supposed to spell it with a Y or an I. Uh, Seth Jarvis is a dream, isn't it? You know, <laughs> after all the the Niederreiters and the Nadelkoviches and the uh, you know uh, you know I, I'll take the Western Canada Morgan Geekies and Seth Jarvises all day long. Absolutely, and we also don't have to worry about how to pronounce it. Did you hear the new pronunciation? For uh, Martin Natchez tonight. 
Yeah, I know. I, Don Waddell pushes that one pretty hard. But Nate I'm Chash. We got a yeah, Nate Chash well, out of uh, out of MS of uh, out of uh, NBC Sportsnet tonight. Yeah, yeah Don's got Don's got the knee catch, and then uh, you know. But then again, we had the a ho for about two minutes <laughs> a couple years ago, and I think I think somebody tapped him on the shoulder and was like, "That yeah, that ain't gonna work." My gosh, how do yeah? That there's a lot of problems with uh, with a ho. <laughs> Uh, but, but Jarvis yeah. is a dream. <laughs> uh, yes. It, uh, although who knows, man, people will mess that up. Um, but let's, you and I were just kind of uh, DMing a little bit uh, about this. I felt all along that the team would have taken him, but I don't know that they wanted, I th- not that they didn't want to take him. I think they wanted somebody else to take him because of everything you read about this goaltender, and they were gushing over him. Carey Price was just drafted. The Russian Carey Price was drafted. And I'm not knocking it because he may be a generational goaltender. Uh, but the Hurricanes don't have a goaltender of the future in the system. They don't have really a goaltending prospect in the system. If any team was going to take a goaltender, it would have been them. But I got the sense that they knew that if they really wanted him, they'd have to trade up. So I kind of felt like they wanted somebody else to take him so they wouldn't have to. Yeah, and the price is steep at this part of the draft. I mean, you're talking, you know, when you look at what people, how people, you know, value picks, you know, you're looking at a probably that that first, second round pick to move up into a spot where you would need to take him, you know, if you're going to get into that six to nine range. But even at 11, even if they could have just moved up two spots, you couldn't have thrown Nashville a third. Yeah, I mean, I think it's, uh, you know, well, Nashville wasn't going to, you know, Nashville. Maybe not, gonna, right. Right, I mean, I think you'd have to move in front of them, you know, it seemed like they wanted him. Um, so, and, uh, you know, the point I made on Twitter earlier is a, a big part about taking a goalie is, um, you know, GMs don't have an indefinite shelf life. Like, right. you, there isn't a whole lot of, a whole lot of decisions that are made for five years down the road. And while there are goalies who get drafted and come to the NHL two years later, there are not many of them. You know, there's Carter Hart and that's about it recently. Um, So, you know, you're talking about a long-term, a long-term decision here on an asset that everybody values. Now, if there were two teams in the, you know, in that range there that I felt like the GMs are probably pretty comfortable with where they are, it's David Poyle, who's been in Nashville forever, right. and 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 Don Waddell, who can probably <laughs> take or leave it with the job. I'm sure he loves doing it, but if <laughs> if 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 Tom Dundon told him tomorrow, you know, Don, we're going to make a change, Don probably retires and enjoys the rest of his life. Right. You know, he's not a, uh, you know, he's not in my mind a guy who's going to, you know, be pounding the pavement until he's 90 years old. Uh, so, but, um, yeah, so, I mean, I felt like it was one of those two teams was, were going to be the ones, you know, you look at Minnesota and, you know, there was maybe a fit there, but you got a new GM in Garen and they haven't been shy about pulling the trigger at changing GMs yeah. and their owners, their owners a little erratic. So, um, those are the two teams I thought could do it. And, uh, you know, maybe you're right. Maybe they were just like, well, at least we don't, we don't have to do this. It's kind of like an NFL team drafting a quarterback, right. you know, if you're, as am I, as a, well, you know, you're a Jets fan. I'm a Dolphins fan. You know what it's like to, the pressure to, to replace, uh, you know, you haven't ever had a quarterback since Joe Namath, but <laughs> hey, wait a second, we had Ken O'Brien, <laughs> but you know, the Miami Dolphins have been trying to replace Dan Reno for, right. for decades now. And the pressure is there. And, 
you know, so I think it's the same thing with goalies. And, but the thing is, you just, just like with quarterbacks, you just don't know, you don't know where, you know, where these kids, these kids headspace is, you know, how they're going to mature, what, you know, I mean, they, these kids could still grow. I mean, you yeah. don't even, you just don't even know. And it's, <laughs> um, and especially when you're talking a guy in Russia, you know, you just, uh, yeah. you know, and he's off to a great start this year. And uh, somebody mentioned that to me that, Oh, he's, you know, there's not going to be five years out because he's, He's got a 974 save percentage this year. Well, I mean, sure, but it's three games. <laughs> you know, I mean. Uh, Did they see and, James Reimer's save percentage? Right, yeah, <laughs> leading up until until four goals got scored against Boston. <laughs> right. Um, so, you know, it's a, you know, obviously they want to upgrade the goal, the goaltending situation, I think, and you want to have a guy that's stable, but drafting that guy now doesn't help you now it doesn't help you right. you know it doesn't it may it might not even help you in the in the jacob slavin era it might not help you in the sebastian aho era right. you know so you're uh you can make that gamble and see where it takes you in nashville uh which is a team that probably you know that they, they could use scoring but david Poyle obviously feels comfortable enough to to uh you know take a guy and wait and see if he you know, hit the jackpot and it, and it can pay off. Look at Vasilevsky, you know, right. look at uh, Holpe, you know, you get, you know, you get a good young goalie and you can ride them for a bit and they, you know, they can, ch- you know, Tuka Rask, they can change your, you know, the, the complexion of your whole franchise of, of whether or not you win a Stanley Cup or not. So. I, also, I also think that it, it, if, if you are a team that is already in the running for a cup, but knows that your goaltender probably only has a few years left, that's the best time to go for that guy because there's zero rush. You're already a, uh, a contender. And I don't think the Hurricanes are quite there. I mean, I may be wrong about it. Uh, I, I think I have a different view of where this team is in the Eastern Conference hierarchy uh, than maybe uh, a lot of people. Like, uh, I think the Hurricanes need a, a, a second-line center because uh, I think Trocek on a on a contending team is a third, uh, and but maybe I'm maybe I'm wrong about that because I think that right now Carolina's got uh, a bunch of third liners playing on the second line. Uh, I don't think they're quite uh, quite there yet, but uh, I could be again could be wrong about that. But I have no problem not taking the goaltender who's at least he may play in the KHL for three years before he even comes over to North America. Uh, because right. he's already playing there. There's a that's a that's the second best league in the world, and if you can play there successfully, there's no reason to come play in the American Hockey League. Right. Yeah. And um. Yeah. You make. I mean, you make a, a good point about where this team is at and what they need to do. And um, I I really like Vincent Trocheck, and I think there's a chance there for him to be that number two center. Now he's not malkin you know behind crosby right. he's you know so he's <laughs> okay. not dry, he's he's not dry sidle behind mcdavid uh you know when mcdavid plays center but um you know i think that you know there's probably still hope there for for martin uh we can pronounce his last name ten thousand different ways after tonight let's only for martin it the right way. yes yeah um we can you know i think there's still hope there for that i don't think you give up on that no because uh you know, where there were questions about Sebastian Ajo, and I think he's answered them about his ability to play center because he plays bigger than he is. Um, you don't have as many concerns as far as size and strength with right. Natchez because I think he's going to get there on strength and he's there on size. I mean, he's, you know, he cannot wait, but he, he's, he's a tall enough kid. He's yep. he's big enough to to handle the load of, of being a center. And, 
you know, the league is, is obviously changed too, like we talked about earlier, but um, so that, I mean, you know, I guess you hold out hope that Natchez is, and I mean, he, I thought he was great last year and there were flashes where you, you're like, wow. And uh, you know, you want him to progress as quickly as Andre Svechnikov, uh-huh. but you know, that that's, that's a tough thing to ask when Svechnikov shows up and he's, you know, he basically looks like a 27 year old when he walks through the room as an 18 year old, you know, careful. Uh, the there are rumors. Yeah. There are rumors. <laughs> right. right. So, um, so, uh, he wasn't 27. We know he wasn't. 27. <laughs> uh, there are rumors, but they're not, they're not, uh, they're not crazy. Uh, real quick before, uh, before I let, uh, Corey Love, I'll let North State Journal go and you can follow him on Twitter at Corey Love. Um, the, you know, we, we talked about the, you know, where this team is as it sets up in the Eastern Conference and, uh, there's certainly, I don't think there's a shortage of skill. And I actually think that Nino Niederreiter will have a bounce back year this year. And he is uh, a guy who is comfortable playing around the net, uh, which I think this team definitely does need. Uh, but where where are you with uh, where they are on defense? It looks like, you know, assuming that uh, Brett Pesci has no setbacks, and I, I'm sure he doesn't, he won't. Uh, bet it'll be Shea and Pesci as that second pair behind Hamilton and Slavin. But where are you with the third pair? Because uh, right now, Jake Gardner's still there, and you've got Hayden Fleury, who I think established himself as a bona fide NHL defenseman. I'm not uh, going to put him in the Hall of Fame just yet, but I think he proved that he could play in the league. I thought he was one of their best defenders in the uh, in the bubble. Uh, and then you got Jake Bean, who was the AHL Defenseman of the Year, uh, obviously on the come. So, what do you? How do you view where they are defensively? Yeah, I mean, it's a good problem to have, right? Um, I, you probably don't want to pay Jake Gardner what you're paying him to be a, a number five defenseman. That's you know, kind of what they didn't want to do last year with to Justin be Jake Falk. Bean. You're paying him to be um, Jake Bean right now, right? Right, and you could pay Jake Bean a, a hell of a lot less. Yeah. Um, you know, that's why they, they moved, you know, didn't keep Falk around for that last year was, you know, there's no reason for them to keep, uh, keep a guy that was probably going to play on their third pair, you know, behind Hamilton and and Pesci on the third pairing. So, um, you know, it's a good problem to have, I guess, uh, you know, the, the Gardner deal hasn't worked out at this point. I don't know if it will. There were, feel like there were moments where it was coming around and for one reason or another, things just kind of derailed, whether it was an injury to another player, like when Hamilton went down, it, it kind of shuffled the whole D up uh, or it was the stoppage when I thought Jake was kind of coming around and starting to feel a little comfortable and, and play well. Um, and then the whole, the whole world stopped. So, um, but yeah, to your point, I think Hayden Fleury, uh, who is far and away one of the nicest kids you, you'll meet. Um, he found that little bit of snarl that he needed. And man, is that needed on this team? You know, I think Dougie's Dougie's willing to be a little bit nasty, um, but it's more of a uh, schoolyard sassy than a, I'm going (laughs) to put you through, put you into the third row kind of sassy, you know, the little pats on the head and the wave in the fingers. And it's, it's more, it's more trash talky than, than, uh, you know, it's kind of like Chad LaRose. Everyone was like, oh, yeah, Chad LaRose. And I was like, yeah, it's just a guy who runs around and runs his mouth. Right. <laughs> um, so, you know, I think if Hayden can further establish himself as a physical player, that bodes really well for him. Uh, Jake Bean's not going to have a choice but to be in the NHL this year. 
um, because of uh, because of the waiver rules. So that, you know they're not going to be right. able to send him down. Um, but they were lucky in the sense that they drafted him really young, and he got an extra year of junior, and he got you know these two years of uh, of of AHL play, and you, you got to see see that progression that you sometimes you know we've how many times have we seen it here where uh, maybe that was more the Jim Rutherford era, but guys like Ryan Murphy who got rushed here because yeah. of the expectations and things like that. Um, you know, he was arguably the best defenseman in the AHL last year. Um, so he's earned his shot. That said, Alex Nedeljkovich was the best goalie in the AHL two years ago. Yeah. And he, he promptly went down to, but, but he could, uh, promptly went down to the AHL. So, um, I, you know, it, it'll be interesting. You're always going to have injuries. You know, you mentioned Brett Pesci. Is he going to be right. total, totally good? Um, but it'll be, it'll be interesting to see. I'd like, you know, I want to see more of what Brady Shea can do. I think he does a lot with the kind of the eye test watching him. I mean, it, it, there's a lot to like there with the way yeah. he skates, the, the way he can make dynamic plays. Uh, like Jake Gardner, you need a little bit of consistency, but maybe that comes with, you know, a little more maturity for, for Brady and, and some stability. And I think they've, you know, uh, you know, I, he's going to be helped by playing next to Brett Pesci, who's probably one of the easiest guys to play with because uh-huh. uh, he, he makes all the smart plays. So um, the defense is great. I mean, then you've got, uh, you know, Joey Keene is another guy yeah. that's, that's in the pipeline. And I think Jesper Selgren is a guy who's going to, going to surprise people uh, coming through. And you got Dominic Fensor who they drafted last year, who's kind of that, you know, water bug five foot seven or whatever he is guy. That he's Tori Krug. Yeah, right. Tori Krug, who, by the way, was... <laughs> I know. Yeah, that's one of tell, my favorite... Tell everybody. Was, tell everybody was, this story. Yeah, Tori Krug was in Carolina on a uh, on a, on a a tryout for, for prospect development camp. Now, that was before he was out of college, so he couldn't sign or anything. But, um, you know, he was here. You know, they, they had their eye on Tori Krug. And, you know, what happens, happens. You know, there's not a whole lot you can do in that situation. A guy's going to look at what the situation is and, and pick his best, you know, pick the best path for him. But, um, you know, Dominic, Dominic Fensor is a, a little tiny guy. I'm curious to see what, you know, what happens with him. It's like I said, it's a new NHL. Like you, you can, you can be Roman Yossi and you can win the Norris trophy. You don't have to be six foot three and, right. and everything. Uh, so, uh, yeah, the, I, the defense is, I, I think any team would wish they had the problems Carolina has on defense. Yeah. You know, there's a lot of money committed to it, but at the same time, when you've got Slavin and, and Pesci locked in at the deals they're locked in on, uh, you know, there's teams playing one defenseman more than those two. And yep. I guarantee you, there's not a defenseman, uh, in the league Carolina would trade those two guys for. There's no question about that. Uh, you didn't even mention any of the uh, 17 or 18 guys from Finland uh, that her- the Hurricanes have in the prospect uh, portal. Well, I'm, I'm, I want to push back one thing, and I'm not sure if you meant it uh, about Falk or not. De- Calvin DeHaan was definitely a third-line uh, defenseman making over $4 million, so he had to go, uh, and mm-hmm. they traded him in Chicago. Uh I don't think there's any question that Falk and Pesci would have played together again. And because Pesci looked comfortable playing his offside. Yeah, That's the yeah. thing I love about Pesci. And I've talked to him about it. Uh, he almost preferred playing his offside. He said there were mm-hmm. some challenges with it, but he, Pe- Pesci thought it brought out the best of him. And I argued that in the postseason two years ago, uh, Pesci and Falk was their best pairing. 
uh, with Pesci playing as offside. And uh, I'm, in my opinion, it was largely because Pesci was elite uh, playing the left side of the ice. And I even thought it brought out his offense. Uh, right. Well, I mean, it gets you, it gets you off the wall and it can let you shoot from the middle of the ice, which is, you know, uh, you know, the hard part becomes trying to play those pucks on your backhand, right. but he's, he's so good at anticipating that stuff and he's got good hands and he, you know, uh, he's sneaky quick and all that, that he can make up for mistakes. Whereas if you tried to put Justin Falk on that side, oof. <laughs> um, <laughs> see, yeah, exactly. Falk needed to be on his right side, but I, I love the pair together. Uh, and I yeah. thought they were the reason that uh, Carolina was able to beat Washington and maybe even uh, the reason they beat the Islanders because they were just so absolutely dynamite uh, together as a team. But that is a different year, man. That's a long time ago. Uh, I know. I, I had hair back then. <laughs> I didn't. Speak, Me too. Speaking of hair, uh, and I, I lied. You see Kevin Adams, former Hurricane, a Stanley Cup champion. Yeah. Uh, should, should, you know, the new GM of the Buffalo Sabres, should he shave his head? Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, I, 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 I'm losing it up top, and I, I try to just keep it close at this point. I think I can still get away with it. It's either that or go full Trump and grow it really far and brush it way back. Wow. Um, okay. <laughs> I can't. Sorry, You're, stick to sports. Good stick for you sports. for going there. No, are you kidding me? This is my podcast, man. You can do whatever you want. Uh, and I, I do think we saw it was kind of encouraging to hear Gary Bettman shoot for January 1. Yeah, I, yeah, I'm not optimistic see. either, but at least they're shooting for it. Yeah, I mean, it, you know what? If that happens, I'm happy because I've got a high school senior and I'm hoping for a normal graduation and a normal send off to college. So let's do it. Let's do a, a January one. And that hopefully that means that the world is, is back to semi normal again. Yeah, um, sure. You know, or, or sometime in there, I think I think the, the outdoor game is probably toast for this yeah. year. Um, which is too bad, but you don't want to hold it in front of uh, 5,000 pe- 5, right. people. You exactly. want to hold it in front of 50,000 people. So Yeah, I think um, we're uh, I think we're looking at uh, the winter of 22 uh, for Carter-Finley Stadium. Yeah, it'll be uh, – that'll be great. It's too bad it gets pushed back a year, but it's something to look forward to, and who knows where this team is by then. You know, you've got guys now who uh, – who might get to play in that that otherwise wouldn't have gotten to play in that, you know, Ryan Suzuki's not that far away. We're a quote unquote year removed from the last draft, even though it's, <laughs> it's happening a lot later, but uh, you know, there's another young guy and uh, you know, it's exciting to see what, what happens with these kids. And I hate that we're not having the development camp because it's really fun to get to know them. And, yeah. you know, I think of guys like Steven Lorenz when he first came in, he was a guy who didn't get drafted his first time got drafted the second year uh was just you know a seventh round pick and has clawed his way to being you know basically an injury away from playing in the playoffs this year right I mean, that's was, amazing he was and, part of the group in the bubble absolutely yeah and uh you know those are the stories you love to see and at the same time you love to see these young guys with a ton of talent mature and uh and you know live up to their potential you got the guys who over who who overachieve and then you've got the guys who uh, achieve everything they're supposed to. And that's what makes a day like today fun is everybody's got a clean slate and you, you got a chance to make your dreams come true. So uh, that's my Ted talk. I think <laughs> I thank you very much for your time. Corey Lavalette, North state journal, follow him on Twitter at Corey Lav. You're a gentleman. Uh, I will see you very soon. Why? Well, I mean, I hope if we, we might have to zoom, but uh, at some point we'll all be allowed back in PNC arena, even if we can't go to the locker room. 
We'll drive by each other with uh, with our windows up and wave. All right, so there you go. It's a morning after podcast brought to us by the Aluminum Company of North Carolina. If it's for the exterior of your home, it's at the Aluminum Company of North Carolina. Call my friend Sammy Hanna. They're over on Hamlin Road in Durham. They do amazing work. Seth Jarvis, he's the guy, the next all-star for the Carolina Hurricanes. I'm not, I'm not trying to be facetious. Uh, it looks like a good player. It looks like somebody I think the fans will like. Uh, it just remains to be seen when he shows up in a Carolina Hurricanes sweater. Uh, thanks to Corey Lavalette from the North State Journal. Thanks to Don Waddell, President and General Manager of the Carolina Hurricanes. Thanks for you. For thanks to you for hanging out on the Canes Corner Podcast Morning After Edition. Remember, you can subscribe to this so it automatically shows up in your phone. All you got to do is click subscribe. And while you're at it, give us a rating. Give us five stars, not because you, uh, because I tell you to, but because it's worth it. And we are here for you. Thank you very much for hanging out. I'm Adam Gold. This is the Canes Corner Podcast. Bye. You've been listening to the Canes Corner Podcast with Adam Gold. Don't forget there are many ways you can listen to this podcast, including streaming at WRALsportsfan.com, the WRAL Sports Fan app. And you can also subscribe for free at Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Pocket Casts, and TuneIn. Thanks again for listening to the Canes Corner Podcast. Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com aware.